Greetings and welcome to Polson Foursquare Church. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins and I'm happy that you've joined us today. This year of 2023, our focus is Together on Mission. In our teaching throughout this year, we will talk much about how we are all called to be a missional church and a missional people. Colossians 4, 2 through 6 are our theme verses that speak about being a people of prayer and of preparedness and how we are to go out and be witnesses to those around us in our everyday life. So today as we study God's word together, I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to you through these messages and pray that you'll be blessed by our podcast teachings and that you'll be edified and enriched in God's word. Thank you and may God bless you all. If you have your Bibles, we've been going through the book of Romans and... Uh, last week we had a, a group from uh, Missoula Teen Challenge, the ladies group here last week, and, and those that uh, were here for that. Um, great group of ladies. I always appreciate uh, them and their ministry down there that are reaching these, these ladies and helping them get back um, in recovery and uh, so much that they, they grow, go through that um, was a great time being able to have them come and share their testimonies with us of what God has, has done in their lives. Um, and so we took a little break uh, from Romans, and we're going to go back. And, and just the last few verses of this chapter, I, I felt were appropriate. We're, we're, we're good to uh, not overlook. And so um, we're going to read through those in a minute. But have you ever looked back on a decision that you had made and thought, if I had known then what I know now, I would have blank, I would have changed my mind, I would have maybe not made that decision. You know, I, I've made some bad decisions in my life, probably you have too, and hopefully as I get older, I'm not saying as you get older, but as I get older, uh, I'm making wiser and better decisions. Uh, especially uh, um, by even former mistakes that I've made. You know, I'm hopefully making better decisions and hopefully uh, for you too as well. Maybe that's how you learn. Some of us have to learn the hard way, uh, but I hope we make better decisions as we get older. Just because you get older doesn't mean you're wiser necessarily, does it? <laughs> but hopefully we're learning and becoming wiser as we're we're growing. When that's really what I want to talk about is the wisdom and the knowledge of God is really what these last few verses of this chapter talk about. Um, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had access to this amazing wisdom and knowledge? Uh, but we do. We actually do. And that's what we're going to read about. We do have access to wisdom and knowledge. And so that's what these verses are going to be. Basically, these last few verses, my Bible calls it, or subtitles it, doxology. And a doxology is actually a psalm. It's actually a, a hymn that is written. So Paul is writing out a hymn. He's writing out this song about the wisdom and the knowledge of God. And so um, we're going to read that here in just a second. So yeah. Maybe you can apply this to your own life. Just kind of, I don't know if there's an actual song of this, this particular doxology. I'm sure there is. But let's just read this together. 
It says, oh, the depth of the riches of the knowledge of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. God, we do give you glory. God, we thank you, Lord, that to you belong all the riches and knowledge. God, that we give you thanks and praise for the so many things that you bless us with. Just as Sherry was just saying, Lord, we're thankful that we can't see it always. But Lord, sometimes you just show yourself to us in simple little ways. You remind us that you are still God that you still supply our needs, God, and we can always call upon you, and you do love us. Lord, would you even reveal to us the greater depths of your love and your wisdom and knowledge for us today, that we don't have to doubt that. We can actually grow in greater trust of you, knowing that, Lord, you can fix houses, you can pay the mortgage, you can do so much, even beyond that, Lord God. You're always there for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So this, this doxology, this, this hymn that he's giving God praise for this wisdom and this knowledge. How unsearchable are your judgments beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? He is, his ways are higher than our ways. He is so much more than we could ever even just fathom. Right, um, And later, actually, in Colossians, Paul also writes in Colossians 2, verse 3, he says, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. God's great plan for mankind, specifically how the Jews and the Gentiles fit each into God's plan. He ends this, uh, so this whole chapter is talking about the Jews and the Gentiles and how Together, they fit into God's plan. And so Paul ends with this doxology, this praise for God and for the wisdom of his plans. And so this kind of thing happens all the time at home. Jill will ask me, what do we want to do for the day? And I tell her the plans. And she starts singing, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of Greg. You know, she, it just happens. It, she just does that. And I just like, you know, come on, stop it. But... Uh, that's what these verses are. Paul is impassioned response. He's just like, I am so passionate about God. I'm so thankful for the wisdom and the knowledge of, of God because he just blows my mind sometimes, doesn't he? Just, I, I, I just admire what, you know, that simplicity of that, that thankfulness because there are some things that just don't make sense. That God just works out, right? He just works it out. And sometimes it is hindsight that we see that. go, oh, how did that happen? How did that work that way? When God calls you to something, he will provide for you. He will take care of you. And so... Um, there, I, I have this written in the in the back of my Bible for years, and it says, the will of God will never take you where the grace of God won't keep you. And where God guides, he always provides, right? 
he does. So that's, uh, that's what these verses, Paul's is, is passionate. Uh, he made it into a song, you know, the song about God. Paul is marveling at the wisdom of God. So let, let's just take a closer look at this. What does this look like? And it, number one is that God is all-knowing and all-wise. And so the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how deep are they? He says they're unsearchable. They're past beyond us finding out. We don't know. So deep that you'll never find the bottom. You'll never come to the end. All of there is to know in the universe. And how much, how much do you know? How much are you, uh, I mean, even if you've got degrees and you've got all these things, how much do you know? Not much, yeah. It's like, I think the older we get, sometimes we realize, I don't know anything. You know, even with, with college and, and experience and stuff, I'm like, there's many times the best answer I can give to someone is, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to answer those questions. Just like, God, I, I don't understand why you do what you do. You know, we only know a tiny fraction of 1%, if, if even that. All there is to know was, uh, if all there is to know is represented by all the grains of sand in the world, what you or I know would be, you know, how many grains of sand? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> all there is to know in the universe, how much of all of us... Uh, together, how much does all mankind put together know? Still only a fraction of 1%. And uh, maybe, maybe just a handful of sand. All there is to know in the universe, how much does God know? Because he knows everything. Everything there is to know. 100% God knows. All the sand on the beaches. The technical name is omniscience. God is all-knowing. He is omniscient. He, is, he knows everything. Other scriptures I want to go through just to show you throughout the Bible today, different scriptures that acknowledges. It says in 1 Kings 8, verse 39, it says that God alone knows the hearts of all men. You know, even, have you ever tried to run away or hide from God? Seems kind of, yeah. I've tried to run away, I've tried to hide from God. How, how did that go for you? How, how, did that, how did that work? God still knows. First Chronicles 28 verse 9 says that the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. You can't hide from God. Psalm 33, verse 13 through 15, it, it's, it says that God sees all mankind, considers everything they do. Now, I love this, this psalm also in Psalm 139. Just such a beautiful picture of, 
of his creation, how God loves us. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. O Lord, you hem me in, in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me, and such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. God knows everything about you, every thought, every word, every way you take. And it says, you know, he, he knew me in my mother's womb as well. He talks about that. Psalm 147, 4 and 5 says that God determines the number of the stars and he calls them each by name. I have this really cool app that Joel showed me. You know, that you can point it up in the sky and it will actually show you the names of the, the different stars. And, the, you know, and of course it's doing the, uh, what do you call it, the Pegasus, Pegasus and, and all, Orion. And, you know, you could turn it around at night or, and go, oh, Mars, that's Mars. You know, it, it actually has the GPS coordinate, you know, that you can actually point it. And there's another cool one that actually has a mountain map. That's really cool. I don't remember what it's called, but... Um, you can point it at when we're driving along the road and just point it at the mountain and it tells the name of the mountain. It's a really cool app. <laughs> but but uh, some of the stars that are named, um, it actually shows what those are. But there's, what, trillions of other ones that aren't named. God named them all. There's a name for every one of those. And so there are over... I, they, well, of course, they're guessing. There are over 400 billion stars in our galaxy. I think that's close to our national debt, too, somewhere. <laughs> 400 billion you know, stars, our national debt. And over a billion other galaxies like ours, but God calls them each by name. It's mind-boggling, isn't it? It's beyond us even fathom. Fathom mean that type of knowledge. They're saying that some of the stars that we see at night are so far away that the light took, you know, 100 years to get here. So we're seeing the light that came perhaps 100 years ago. Does that seem mind-boggling? No wonder the psalmist says, Great is our Lord, and mighty in power, his understanding has no limit. In Matthew 6, verses 4 and 8, Jesus says that God sees what is done in secret and that he knows our needs before we ever even ask. That's pretty cool. But he still wants us to ask. He still invites us to ask. I know, and, and some people have had this argument that why do we even ask God? Why do we pray if God already knows it? I can just go, you know it anyway. <laughs> no, he actually invites us because he loves that we come to him, that we acknowledge him. It's not that he loves that, but he knows that we need that. He knows we can't do things without him. Jesus said that God even knows the number of the hairs on our head, and that's probably no small feat for some of us. Or that number changes every time we take a shower, you know, a few more hairs down the drain. But um, 
1 John 3, verse 20 sums it up pretty well. God knows everything. He knows everything. Oh, the depth of the riches and the knowledge of God. Knowing everything comes in, comes in handy, especially when you have to make decisions. You know, people come to me and ask me for some things. I mean, with their usually with their plumbing issues, you know, they'll, they'll say, I need help. I, I need some uh, experience, someone with the experience to know how to do that. And some things, um, you know, I can help them on and other things I can't. If they have a major electrical problems, don't ask me. If they have computer technical issues, that's where my brother comes in <laughs> because I literally don't know how to do those things. I try to stay far away from that. There's some things that people ask me, you know, for help with, and I'm like, it's okay. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how. But knowledge alone is not enough. I know some smart people who know, know lots of stuff, but they still make stupid decisions, right? You also need wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to apply what you know in the right ways. And wisdom actually, you know, read through Proverbs. It talks a lot about uh, wisdom too. And wisdom is using your words carefully too. And when knowing when to talk and when not to talk. And so sometimes we just like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Well, maybe you should use some wisdom and hold your tongue or... or or not say that and think it through before you do that. Wisdom is, so wisdom is the ability to apply what you know in the right ways and the right timing and the ability to use knowledge to make right decisions. And God knows everything. He has the wisdom to match his knowledge. Psalm 104, verse 24. How many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom you made them all. Proverbs 3, verse 19. Are these pulling up? I think they're on there. Yeah. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundation. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. In Jeremiah 10, 12. God made the earth by his power. He founded the world by his wisdom and stretched out the heavens by his understanding. Isaiah 28, 29 says that God is wonderful in counsel and magnificent in wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1, 25 sums it up this way. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's wisdom. Not that God is foolish and not that he's weak, but he's getting the picture that even just the tiniest Maybe, I can't even call it weakness of God. There is no weakness of God, but it's not even, by comparison to man, it's nothing. So I, maybe just driving this point with these scriptures, I hope this is just kind of emphasizing what we, we can uh, hear today. God is all-knowing. He is omniscient. He knows everything about you. God alone is wise. And Paul says in Colossians 2.3, in Christ alone, again, this is, you are hidden all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge. He's got that all. But So how does that help us? How does that help me? God, we get it. You are all wise. You are all knowing. How does now that help me in my life? 
You know, the internet, uh, when it was first created, um, I think Al Gore claimed that he created the internet, but uh, however the internet came about, that the, it was pretty interesting, wasn't it? And the dial-up, you know, that, you know, and you, that was so cool, you know, when you could actually get things and, and I remember our first computer, we probably paid $3,000 for this computer, this uh, desktop computer, but we went to one of those computer stores and bought it. And we're like, this is so cool. And then they had these discs that you could put in there. And it was like, what was the disc called? I can't remember. It was like floppy the, disc. what was it called? Floppy disc. Fl yeah, a floppy disc. It was a floppy disc, but it was, it was kind of the start of, of Google, but it wasn't Google yet. It was, it was like uh, in an encyclopedia. And we're like, oh, you know, remember when encyclopedia salesmen used to come to your door and knock on the door and try to sell you this $5,000 set of encyclopedias? And we just had to have it. How many of you still have the, one of those encyclopedia sets in your house? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's probably still good. I mean, I, I have an encyclopedia set at our house too. But um, it brushed the dust off of it. But those were so, that was Google in my day, right? Google in, in many generations had that. That's all they had. But now at an instant, literally at an instant, you can type in anything and pew, it just instantly comes to us. And it's hard to remember, even though it's only been maybe 20 20, less than 25 years. I mean, I, I've had a cell phone only since, I think, 1999. You know, it wasn't that long ago. How do we survive without it today? Hardly at all. Except for Mike, Mike Humphrey. He's still, he's still defiant. He's not getting a cell phone. And God bless you. That's everybody. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's amazing. Uh, but um, so Google, it's one of the most visited websites. Uh, and they, their data center is incredible. They're, they have so much in this data center. Uh, it's mind-boggling information. Um, or YouTube. YouTube has... You know, for every gadget, everything that you need to fix. And everyone thinks that if you YouTube something that you're an automatic mechanic or doctor, you know, right? I just fix myself, you know. <laughs> That's fine. Well, how, do you do, how does that work for getting a prescription? I don't know. But, um, but God beats all of those. He beats it all. He is in him alone. There's hidden all the wisdom and knowledge of the universe. He has unlimited resources. Do we turn to him as much as we turn to YouTube or to Google? I don't know. Here are some ways in which God shares his wisdom and knowledge. How do we discover some of these treasures of the wisdom and knowledge of God? I want to give you uh, four different things today. One is the fear of the Lord says, first, the fear of the Lord. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. This is the place to start. 
Psalm 111, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1, 7 also says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Isaiah 33, verse 6 says, He will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge, and the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Wow. Fear of the Lord. I think if we had more of a holy fear and reverence for God, we would not sin so much. Right? We would think twice. I don't want to do that. Because one day when we stand before a holy God, is there going to be a fear of God then? I think for sure, yes. Absolutely, on your face. Wow. God. Don't just wait till then. Start now. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. What does it mean to fear? Some people fear the dark, can't sleep if the light, if the light isn't on. Some children fear the boogeyman or monsters under their bed. Is it that kind of fear? No. It's, I think there needs to be an element of holy fear, like I'm saying. But some people fear a parent or spouse. You know, this uncontrollable temper. Um, you know, have that negative sense of, because of that's the way they've been brought up and just, you know, beaten down, beaten down, beaten down. They transfer that sometimes to God. God, you're just the, the big godfather in the sky that's going to smite me any second. Um, you know, some people cringe with fear because of people that they've been hurt by. Is it that kind of fear? No. Some people fear the dentist. Some people fear the police. Because they will find out you don't floss. Or they find out, you know. <laughs> or the police, especially if you're doing wrong and you don't want to get caught. Is it that kind of fear? No, it's not that kind of fear. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? To fear the Lord is to recognize God's power, to recognize his greatness, who you are, God, and how awesome you are, and how, by comparison, how small you are. How have you learned to fear God? Maybe you grew up in a church that emphasized this every Sunday. You fear the Lord when you recognize Maybe the enormous difference between an infinite creator and you, his finite creation. And then so it's that continual reverent respect for Almighty God that results in a willingness to what? To submit to him, to obey his commands. If Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So Jesus is really emphasizing this fear of God. Saying, if you love me, it's not just about saying you love me. It's actually living it out, showing it in your actions. Showing proof that you actually believe what you say you believe. Now, I'm glad that doctors have lots of training. It's one of the reasons we respect people like physicians 
So we respect doctors and we often put our trust in them and try to do what they say. <laughs> you might say we fear the doctor. Or in a nutshell, that's what the fear of the Lord is like. We recognize that God knows more than we know, that he is uh, wiser and experienced and more powerful and had, you know, and so we respect and trust God and do what he says. Obedience is this essential part of our fear of God. I fear God and then I, I do what he commands. I, do, I follow the word of God. I believe this to be truth and I live by it. There is a holy fear and reverence by God that I keep his word. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 2 says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws of the Lord your God has directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that your children and their children after them may what? May fear the Lord your God as long as you live by what? keeping all his decrees and his commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. Yeah. How do you fear the Lord? You keep his commands. To fear the Lord is to have this reverence and deep respect that is proven by your actions. That faith without works is dead, right? My faith is shown by my actions that I'm obeying his commands. Do you want more wisdom and knowledge? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of that. Wisdom and knowledge. How else do we get to tap into the uh, storehouse? Of B is that you ask God. You ask the Lord. The second way to ask is these riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. James 1.5 says, any of you lack wisdom? Let him ask. Let him ask God. Say, I don't know. I don't know how to do this, God. Say, you have not because you ask not. Ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. And I love how it just continues in that James chapter 1, you know. Uh, don't be unstable in all you do. Ask for wisdom, and he will give it to you. So there is the, you know, there it is. It's just... Right there under our nose, ask God if you lack wisdom. How many of you meet that qualification from time to time? I'm, I don't have wisdom in that. I don't know. I constantly find myself in situations where I lack wisdom. I need wisdom. I need wisdom as a father. I need wisdom as a husband, as a pastor. I'm not afraid to tell people I don't know. I'm not. There might have come a time where people would come to me, even fresh out of Bible college, and of course they're saying, Greg, you come with all this Bible knowledge, and you, you know all the references, and, the, and the, all this stuff, and I'm, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. And I'm supposed to look good, you know, I'm supposed to be able to answer those. But I think the more I've grown up, I'm just like, let me look that one up. I think, I, where's my Google? I need, to, I need to find that one because I don't know. It's like, there are plenty of things I do remember, but other things I have no clue. And I think even the more 
I appreciate as someone with experience more than just book knowledge. I love that. You know, even as I mentioned doctors, you could, sometimes the fresh out of uh, residency and, you know, they're just like, they're, they're looking up their, what their thing is. But it's, it's nice to actually not just have a doctor, but a physician, one that actually knows by experience, right? I need lots of wisdom and what should I do? Ask God. And here's the cool part. God will give it. He says, I will give it. He will give you wisdom, but it even gets better. Look how God gives wisdom. He gives it what? Generously, without finding fault. He's not stingy. He doesn't give it meagerly or begrudgingly. He gives it generously. It's like, I love to give you generous amounts of wisdom. Generous, generosity is giving more than what was asked for. You ask for this much, and he goes, no, I'm going to give you even more. How many of you have been blessed with that? You're just like, thank you. Thank you for that tip. Thank you for that, uh, you know, gratuity. I, I didn't expect that. That's so cool. That's how God gives when we ask for wisdom. And there's no limit to his resources. And thus, uh, he gives generously. But all the treasures and the wisdom and knowledge are in Christ Jesus. He is rich he has a rich storehouse of wisdom and knowledge. And a lot of times, I, I just, I've said this quite a number of times, but some of the prayers that you could pray are not grandiose prayers. Just simple. You could be simple with God. God, I just need more. Show me more, Lord. I need more of you. I need you to open my eyes. I need to see what you, you want me to see in this. Lord, would you show yourself to me? Would you reveal yourself to me? Because I lack wisdom or I'm, I'm lacking seeing this. I'm doubting. I'm struggling. Even that, uh, as I was reminded the other day, just that prayer that where the father came to Jesus and his son was being cast in the fire. He was demonized and he says, help me in my unbelief. We're just talking the other day about you know, just what, what, is it okay to prayer, pray a prayer like that? Is it okay to be real with God? Say, God, I'm struggling right now. I lack wisdom. I lack faith in this. Help me in my unbelief. I think God loves our simplicity. He loves our honesty as well. His resources are unlimited, and he can afford to give generously. He gives generously to what? To all. Who does all include? I think it pretty much everybody. You and me. You don't have to worry that you are unworthy. You are, and so am I. He says that you are. You're his child. If you've confessed and you believe in Jesus with your, as your Savior and your Lord, he calls you his chosen ones. You're his beloved. You are his children. And so is everybody else. God loves to give generously. He doesn't play favorites. You can ask with confidence that he's going to give to all with what? Without finding any fault. 
Has someone ever given you something and made you feel guilty at the same time or badly at the same time? Here, I'm going to give you this, but. Oh, just keep it. <laughs> just keep it. I don't want it if there's restrictions, you know, if there's, lim- you know, co- there's consequences to it. That's not generous that, uh, that God gives. That's not the, God doesn't give you and leave you with guilt like, Next time, don't ask. God doesn't give us strings attached. He doesn't find any fault. And so I'm glad he doesn't because he certainly could with me. (laughs) You know, he could find all kinds of faults with me. He's given me wisdom that I've ignored. And he could have thrown that back in my face, but he doesn't. He gives generously without finding fault. I've given you something, but you messed up. I'm not going to give it again. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to let you do it. Or you ruined it last time. You know, and, and sometimes we've all been a little hurt by, you know, g- giving someone something or, and then they've brought it back broken. You're like, really? <laughs> it's like, I let you borrow that and you brought it back dirty or messed up or broken. And I'm like, that's it. I'm done forever. I'm never going to let anyone borrow anything again. And I don't think that's what God wants. I don't think he wants us to, because we've been so hurt that we never want to, we just stop entirely. That's not the way God is anyway with us. It says, so ask. Ask God for wisdom if you need it. Solomon did. Look what happened in, in I won't read it, all but Second Chronicles 1, chapter 1, 7 through 12. It says God gave basically Solomon a blank check. It says, what do you want? Ask me for whatever you want. Solomon could have asked for riches, for honor, for power, or the death of his enemies, but he didn't. Instead, he asked for wisdom and knowledge so that he could lead well. That was a great thing to ask for. <laughs> That was really good. He knew that he was in way over his head. He was leading this nation now that his father had led. And it was bigger than he could ever imagine. So he needed that wisdom and knowledge. And so he asked God for it. And God gave it to him generously. How generously? 1 Kings 4 through 29 says... Uh, 4.29 and on, I'll I'll just read a couple portions of that. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of wisdom as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Seashore. Sally's Sally's, uh, seashells on the seashore. (laughs) But also in verse 34, men of all nations would come and listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. God loved that he was asked by Solomon for this wisdom. He goes, you know what? I'm going to give it to you. But because you didn't ask for the death of your enemies and for riches and power, I'm going to throw that in too. I'm going to give you that, the things that you didn't even ask for. God gave this generous portion of wisdom and knowledge and good measure. He threw in this other stuff too with it. Kind of makes you want to ask, doesn't it? (laughs) 
Ask God for wisdom because he can help you make better decisions, hopefully. What's another way to get the wisdom and knowledge of God is number C or letter C, study the Bible, study the word of God. Access the riches and knowledge of God through the words of God. The Bible is full of wisdom and knowledge. I'm just reading some different scriptures to you over and over today just so you kind of grasp some of these. When you read the Bible and study it and apply the Bible to your life, you will become wise. You will start to sound different, probably look different, smell different. I mean, I don't know. You'll, you'll start to be different when you, when you study the Bible. Deuteronomy 4, verses 5 through 6 says, See, I've taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land that you're entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show you wisdom and knowledge and understanding to the nations who will hear about these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice to be so wise that you would be obvious to everyone around you? You are just amazing. You just carry wisdom and knowledge. Those who observe God's commands are wise. You can sound wise just by quoting. Just give him credit. Don't plagiarize it. Just give God credit for it. Yes, this was God that said this, not me. Christians claim that the Bible is their standard of faith and action. Yeah. It's full of wisdom. It is, I believe it to be God's truth. Not a truth, but the truth. We believe the, that this is, book is God's word, that it teaches what to believe, but also how to live it out. This is God's uh, manual for life. And yet many Christians have never even read the Bible all the way through. Imagine, we, we can hold this book up and say we believe and obey uh, this when we haven't even read it. <laughs> how, can we, how can we do that? We can't. We have to actually know it. You can sleep with it under your pillow if you want to, or make it a pillow if you want to, but it won't just absorb through your skin. You know, you have to actually read it. Yeah, the Word of God in you is living and active. So we struggle to know God's will, to do the right thing, to have wisdom for everyday decisions, but it's right in front of us. It's right here. We need, maybe need to dust it off a little bit, but again, we have the internet. We have all kinds of resources, more than ever before, of Bible reading plans, of all kinds of apps and Bible apps, and it could read it for you if you just want to listen. It's here, but many of us don't ever crack its cover but it's here, God's wisdom and knowledge in his, in his word. Colossians 3.16 says what? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. So let it dwell in you. Let it dwell in you richly. 
And here's the treasure chest of the riches and the knowledge of God to open it up and to let it speak to you and let it minister to you. Let God's word speak to you each and every day. Set aside a daily reading time. I always encourage people to get a Bible reading plan. There's all kinds of reading plans. If you want to read through the Bible in a year, um, you're going to read parts that are, you know, Numbers and Leviticus and things like that. You would maybe not get the warm fuzzies in it every day, but God can speak to you through those too. He can speak to you uh, through anything. Read it and let God speak to you and begin to give you that wisdom and knowledge. I encourage you to write things out. Write out what God speaks to you as well. And lastly, seek Godly counsel is another way to get grown wisdom. One of the ways God shares his wisdom and knowledge is through others. He speaks it to us. God uses people. He uses people to educate, to inform us, to guide us, and to help us make wiser decisions. People that with it more experience than us. If you want to learn how to have a better marriage, go find a good marriage and ask them how do they do it. You want to you want to find out how to be a better parent, go find some parents that you admire that have done it and ask them, how do you do this? Grandparents, you know, that we can be, we can speak to the younger uh, uh, moms and dads and be a witness. Don't tell them what they need to do. Just, you know, just encourage them and say, you know, hey, I'm here if you want to ask any questions. I've been through that. I know what it's like. It's a way that we can counsel them. You know, um, it's not that you will always have people beating down your door to ask you for your, your amazing wisdom and knowledge. But you could just life experience. Just life experience, you know, just... Uh, probably the best way I've found in counseling people is not to tell them what to do but to ask them good questions. <laughs> I've, the, better, the older I've got and the, the more ways I've, I've learned to speak into people's life is not to tell them anything that I know, but help them to figure out what they need to know, what they need to do about it. It's called coaching rather than counseling. It's great. I love it because you could just help someone go, you know, what do you want to do about that? Well, that's why I came to you. It's like, nope. As much as I might know the answer already, I'm like, I really don't want to tell them the answer. I want them to figure it out because most people like to take their own advice. It's true. They'll follow their, more, their advice more when you help them come up with their own answers. And if they're making bad coming up with bad answers, go, well, maybe I need to ask you a few more questions <laughs> to help you if, if they're still coming up with a poor answer. But still, Proverbs 8, verse 33 says, Listen to my instruction and be wise, and do not ignore it. Proverbs 13, verse 20. This is all written by the, the wisest man that's ever lived, Sol, uh, Pro, Solomon. Proverbs 13, verse 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Proverbs 18, verse 15. The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge. The ears of the wise seek it out. And Proverbs 19, 20. Listen to the advice and accept instruction. And in the end, 
you will be wise. Have you ever had a mentor or a coach in your life that actually helped you? They could go, yeah, that person was amazing in my life. I needed that. I needed a mentor. I needed a coach. I needed a friend. I needed a friend that just wasn't going to rip into me and tell me all the things I'm doing wrong. But one thing that just loved me and actually, you know what, that's one thing that I learned early on in ministry is that I had people telling me they wanted to uh, help me, you know, and so they were like, hey, Gray, we really want to help you because you basically stink at it. <laughs> you, you really stink at being a pastor. and We, we just want to basically come and tell you how horrible you are doing. And so I, I, I was like, I went and, and I, I listened to some of these things. I'm like, huh, I don't know if that was encouraging or I just left feeling like, like dog meat, you know, <laughs> being chewed up and spit out. I mean, that was just not good. And so I, I was just, I, I sought some other counsel and, I, you know, other wise counsel from other pastors. And I'm just like, should I do that? And they're going, heck no, don't do that. I'm like, well, I, I felt like it would be helpful to have some constructive criticism. And he goes, he asked me a wise question and he said, do, do you know if they love you? And I said, I, I don't think they do, actually. <laughs> he goes, then I would not ever listen to someone like that that didn't love me before they're trying to change me or instruct me. I'm like, good point. Not that I'm ever opposed to constructive criticism. I need a lot of it. Not that I haven't, don't need to change a few things. I need to change probably lots of things. But at the same time, like, do you, are you doing this because you love me or you just wanting to mow me down? I think that there's a big difference. And sometimes I have to figure that out. But asking counsel, seeking it. I want to learn. I want to grow. And I've, I've gone to people and I've, you know, um, I've been a mentor in someone's life. I've been a, uh, a discipler in someone's life. And you could tell someone that's teachable and someone who's not. I think it really comes down to our, our self and our own motives. Are we truly teachable? Are we at the point where we're like, you know what, God, there's still some things I need to learn. I want to be submitted under leadership that, I, that God, you can use maybe this person or these people to help me. And there's been times in my life I've been so stubborn, I'm like, God, I don't want to learn anymore. I'm tired, I'm old, I'm, you know, I'm older, I'm not old, old, but I'm, I don't want to learn anymore. And just my own stubbornness can keep me from wisdom that God wants to give me. Are you stubborn? Anyone else stubborn in here that just says, I've learned all that I could possibly ever know? You know? <laughs> That's as far as I'm going, God. That's like when I, God called me five, six years ago, six years ago to go back to college again to to get my master's. I'm like, God, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go back. But, it, but I did. I, I finally did what God called me to do. And it was worth it. It was hard. Very, very hard. But it was good at the same time. God knew I needed something to learn. I still do. And lastly, what do we do with all these riches? We share it. 
So the fear of the Lord, ask the Lord, study the word, and seek counsel. What do we do with that? Treasure, that wisdom. We share it. You don't keep it. It's meant to be shared. It's meant to be, it's time for you to stop being fed, fed all the time. He's, Paul even says that. He says, by now you should be teachers, but you're still just being spoon-fed. By now you should all be leaders, but you're still infants wanting to be gimme, 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 gimme. And he's like, no, it's time for you to grow up and share it with someone. There comes a time when you kick them out of the nest. Does that make sense? Does that sound harsh? <laughs> it's like, comes a time where you're just like, got to grow up, people, and start using what you've been given. You have a storehouse. He, well, not everybody. Just because you're older doesn't mean you're wiser. Because some people are still in that infancy stage. They haven't wanted to learn. They haven't wanted to graduate. If you know the Lord, don't keep it to yourself. You know something or better, someone that needs to know. Share what you know. We all talk about it all the time. That you need to find someone, tell them, and bring them. Find, tell, bring. That find someone you love, tell them what you know. Share Jesus with them. Invite them to Jesus. Bring them to church with you. If you've got Jesus, you are rich. You are rich. Share the wealth. God wants to speak to someone through you. Be open and be ready. So, the riches and the knowledge of God, they are unsearchable. But hopefully as we grow with him, there's, he changes you. He makes you more like him. That's one of our, our mission statements here at the church is becoming like Jesus together. It's on your bulletin. It's like becoming like him, becoming more like him so that people see Jesus in us because you are maybe the closest thing to Jesus someone may ever know. Wow, that's scary. But you might be that example. You might be the minister that you need to minister in that moment. And I thank God he places me in places even when I don't want to be in those places. That God calls me to go, and you know, even in emergency situations, as a first responder to go and and minister to people. And some things are harder than others to do it. But God calls me to, to go to some of these places. So not that I can just pour out my abundance of wisdom and knowledge. It's just so I could just be there. So I could just love on someone. Sometimes that's the greatest ministry you can do is ministry of presence. Be there with someone. That is a great area of wisdom. <laughs> And knowledge. Just don't say anything right now. You don't have to say anything. Just be there. That's great wisdom. Let's pray. God, thank you for your amazing riches and knowledge. Lord, it says that we need to fear you. 
to begin to have wisdom. And Lord, that I always, hopefully every day, acknowledge that you are great. We sang about your greatness this morning. You are a great God. You are greater than anything I could ever even imagine. I need you. I need you today. And I ask you, God, I ask you for wisdom that I will make wise decisions and I won't just base them on my feelings or I'll ask you for wisdom because we lack it. Thank you that you give generously without finding fault to all, to everyone who asks. Lord God, I just ask that you may impart to us more of yourself, <laughs> that more of Jesus would be seen in me and less of me, that we may be a light and uh, uh, in this community that we will never take it for granted, but we will quick to give you all the praise and glory that you deserve. It's not about me, it's all about you, Lord, and I thank you for that. Bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Next week we'll we'll dive into chapter 12. Chapter 12 is probably going to be a few weeks, but it's always one of my favorites as well. Chapter 8 was about 4 or 5 weeks, so I think we're going to we're going to spend a couple weeks at least in chapter 12. Hey guys, Billy here. I'm the media director here at Polson Foursquare, and I'm glad that you guys could join us this morning. If you guys are looking for more information, you guys can go to polsonfoursquare.org. And if you guys enjoyed the sermon, consider subscribing or sharing it with a friend. Thanks for joining us this morning, and we hope that you have a blessed week.